fireball. Things are getting toasty. Get your last here. couple puffs in, my guy. Fireball. One. I'm going to request you put it out of reach because I also shut it off. Or here, you want to just take it and put it behind um, you? Yeah, I'm going to put it behind me just because if it's force of habit. It I is very much a force of habit. <laughs> Same with I'm also going to put. Can you take my worm away? The worm is no. Oh, that's too fun. Here, Chris, you. <laughs> okay. In the pocket it goes. <laughs> I'm going to be messing with that. <laughs> Give me the pen. We have to be. I want to be a part of something. <laughs> <laughs> the pocket it goes. I do genuinely need that pen back, though. <laughs> Ian will hit me if I don't. If I don't return it to the store. I have a bonk stick. He 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 has a very large bonk stick. Is it's that also? You can, I used to for one of my friends. I had a, a spray bottle of water that was Chris off. Um, and it would just, not this Chris, different Chris, but just, it was, just, it was just a spray does bottle. Does it work on all Chris's though? <laughs> I mean, I could try and find Same it again. Same about Corporal Punishment, but it works. Yeah. Okay. Ready to begin? No, Once upon a time, there were three bards, Brooke the Bronze, Will the Wondrous, Ian the Intelligent, accompanied by Chris the Charisma. They set out on a perilous podcast brought with audio issues and full-time jobs to bring unsolicited opinions to the masses. Today's quest is all about Once Upon a Time, a cooperative party game where you desperately fight to have your plot points heard as you weave the story together into somewhat a cohesive format. Before we jump into the fray, I have to know, since we're talking about classic bedtime stories, does anyone have a favorite bedtime story growing up? Since this whole thing is about creating a once upon a time there was a princess kind of a vibe. Uh, so I guess I'll start. Um, uh, it's not a normal bedtime story, but when I was younger, uh, I had this this kick for really weird books. And so my dad would read like a chapter of one every night. Uh, and the one that I remember most vividly is a book called The Day My Butt Went Psycho. <laughs> And um, yeah, that that one probably. I'm gonna do the crib notes on that real quick. Uh, so, uh, an evil scientist creates a serum that he releases into the world that turns certain people's butts into like morphing creatures. So they slop off of the body and then get their own mind and think thoughts, and then they create a totalitarian government that attempts to rule over the world. And certain butts are against this government, so they ally with the main character and his butt, who is not in favor of the government, but not in favor of the people, as they progress through the story to try and join the resistance and then take down the government of butts. Okay. I like the little critter books. (laughs) Personally. To be fair, mine is about body parts as well. Um... It was uh, tiptoe, tippy toes, tiptoeing. I I wish I had not thrown my phone tiny across toes. the room. Tiny toes. There we go. Tiny toes. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> um, because I, it was killing me what this was. I literally had my mother go to my apartment, walk inside, look into my hope chest to find this book because I could not remember it outside <laughs> of its three bald children with no shoes on, get their feet muddy, and have to like wash them to go to bed. Very surreal. 
They're not detaching themselves. They're just oh, playing see. and then go, ah, I got to wash that before I go to bed. Gotcha. I had to do some some online digging for the book I was thinking of. For the longest time, I thought it was a puffin. Uh, it was a book about a puffin, and it wasn't. It was a raven. So it, it was just the, uh, the I had a book about the, the North uh, Western uh, Native American tale about the raven who brought the sun to people. That my, my aunt brought from Alaska when I was very little. Oh, that's... I'd be like, why, why do you think puffins, they're not native to this area? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're native to this continent. Well, I didn't say Northwest America. <laughs> Fair. Technically, it is Northwest. Yeah. It's as Northwest as it gets. So yours were Little Critters? Mine, mine was Little Critters when I was when I was really, really young. And as I got a little bit older, I moved into like the Magic Treehouse series. Okay. Those are those are definitely like the two big ones for my child. What about did you guys ever do the Egyptian game and the gypsy game? Yes. I remember I read that in sixth grade. Yeah. That was such a cool book. Oh, those were good too. That was that was also one where they were telling a story in the story. So it was very meta for a children's book. Yeah, they I just want to make sure I'm remembering the right story. They they it's have a like, clubhouse in the they, backyard. They, exactly, yeah. And they, they find all the stuff in, like, the, the first floor neighbor's house. Yeah. And they start populating the yard with that. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. then they find out, oh, it's magic, and now I'm back in ancient Egypt if I go through this door. I do remember that. Yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember that. Those kind of stories are what got me loving this style of gameplay, though. Because, like, this was similar to when we played Elven Folk, where Elven it was, folk. like, very freeform... And very much about, like, that independent play you did as a child. And in, like, the book that we were just talking about, they had that aspect as well. It was very much kids playing Magic Treehouse style, like, just making it up as they go, and suddenly it's real. And I, I do think there's, like, a certain charm to that sort of gameplay. That It's something you forget about when you grow up. Yeah. Because, like, we all use, I, I think most of us played pretend as a kid. No? Uh, sort of kind you of. You never played like Power Rangers or like Ooh, no. Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you never played. Any I, I was I was too mentally conscious of how awkward I would feel if I pretended to do that. Okay. So instead, uh, I guess my playing pretend was like when we did tag. I would pretend that other people were like pirates or something trying to kill me. Okay, and so. So you that, did it by, by yourself, but yeah. you still played pretend. Yes, it did lead to some pretty bad situations because, like, if someone caught me, I would scream, please, no, don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> um, not not a great thing to yell out on the, the playground. Not really. Um, but, yes, I, I did partake in some pretend play. See, I real at a very young age, I realized, yeah, no, this is all, like, very embarrassing. And then I realized, if we all buy into this... Like theater, theater style. If we all really get into it, then we're the cool kids for a hot second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the power of yes and. Correct. My younger brother and I did all types of like a uh, uh, pretend. We had because we also had a Saint Bernard at all times who loved to be included in things. <laughs> <laughs> so even if it was just like playing monsters, we were fighting with sticks, and the Saint Bernard would would go and try to take the stick away. <laughs> <laughs> Not not like to chase a stick, but because it's like, oh, they're fighting with sticks. Like, it would do the same thing with pillows, too. If we had that pillow fight, it would come after us and just take the pillows away. Like Nanny from and, Peter and, Pan. And grab our, our arm and just try to pull us away. It's like, absolutely not. You are not fighting yeah. on my watch. St. Bernard's are great for that. 
They're just free babysitters. <laughs> living, living babysitters. <laughs> That's great. Honestly, that makes a lot of sense about uh, your St. Bernard's temperament now. Mm-hmm. But before we get too lost in the sauce. Oh, we will always get enough. lost in the sauce. You've, you've missed that I've aspect missed of this bar podcast as we tend to get a little more lost. It's like 70% sauce. It's, yeah, it's been a while. We're glad to have you back. We're almost a soup at this point. <laughs> yes, soup with random issues every time. <laughs> I just want to be able the to The issues help. are getting more consistent. <laughs> Let's hope this issue is an audio this time. Uh, it's always uh, audio. Yeah. You haven't edited in so long, Chris. Oh, uh, it's been a while, yeah. It's it's always audio. It's a different <laughs> kind of audio problem every time, but it's always going to be an audio problem. We got gremlins in our computer. Right? Well, we have Craig now. Craig does all the hard stuff for me. Yes. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's hilarious that a Discord bot is far more capable than our, like, $100 of audio equipment. Oh, We're going to get it working. I'm going to figure this out. Somebody has to go to school. <laughs> that's that's no, really no. what it is. No, Brooke needs another random kick of hyperfixation. That one needs to happen, and the problem is right now I'm working. Summertime, I can do this. I just need a space to set things up and hours to play with things. If, if Ian and Larry give me, you know, a month off so that I can go take an <laughs> adult education course and I can get certified in audio equipment... I'll be fine. There's too many dials. <laughs> too many knobs. <laughs> Back so on track. Once yes. upon a time, there was a grading rubric that started with number of players. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth segue, man. I know. Smooth. Silk. <laughs> uh, so this game went from, uh, I think it starts at two. It doesn't start at one. Yeah, right? no, it starts yeah, at two. Two to six and up players. It doesn't actually give a, an upper limit on that, which I, I think is actually pretty good. So, I, I gave this a four for from two to six and up players. Yeah, uh, they have uh, they change the amount of cards per person uh, based on how many players there are. So it does uh, scale to the amount of people in, involved. So yeah, I give that a four. Um, yeah, but. I do like how they added in that. Hey, we're saying like two to six, but like if you want to do more, go for it. Like that's what a party game's about. So I, I gave it a four. Yeah, I, I also gave it a four. It, it seems like it's the, the happy median number of players that we like to have to begin with, but then that room for expansion, and it doesn't seem like adding more players is going to negatively impact the gameplay at all. It's just going to, it might take a little bit longer, but it's a party game. I also put a four. Uh, I do appreciate a game that uh, does not limit itself with the maximum number of players. Um... Though, what was the, out of curiosity, what was the, I'm assuming six and up had its own category for a number of cards each person? Uh, yeah, it, it ends at five cards each. Okay. So we played with, with seven in our hands, six of the story cards, and then our ending card. So I'm assuming it's seven, six, five. Yeah. It goes all the way to ten for two players. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It's a lot. Well, you're only two people weaving the story together, so. Yeah, that's fair. All right, transitioning into comprehension. I don't think anyone was confused on, on how we played this game. I gave it a three oh. only because it was kind of vague in some spots, mm. which when you're first starting the game does not help. But I just just because of the so just because of the kind of flippant language, I was like, eh, it might be confusing if this is. Not the if you don't have someone who's played it before, because I was able to give you the rules really quick. Yeah, um, that and that may have influenced my grade. I gave it a four. 
but I, I feel like after you explained it to me, it seemed fairly straightforward. I only think I needed to, to stop twice to ask for clarification. And most of those were on edge case rules. I gave it a, a three for comprehension as well. Um, I feel like there were some aspects of this that, I mean, it, the, the basic game is easy enough to grasp. You put down a card, you, you tell a story, you do that. The rules are more or less uh, clear on that. I don't know. There there seemed to be a, a decent amount of confusion through our first playthrough, despite the fact that it, it, sh it in theory, should be a lot simpler to, to go through. And so I, you, I knocked it a point for that. You also mentioned that we just came off of a rather heavy board game that we covered last time, where it was very rule-oriented. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. This is a breath of fresh air compared to, to Unfathomable. But... I'm just saying it might be whiplash on our part going like mm -hmm. from really structured to like, hey, go for it and tell a story together. Like it's, it's very different mindsets. I, I feel like um, from my perspective going into it, obviously this wasn't the first time we played. We played once before. Um, but it, it seems like it's just you tell a story, playing a card every time you, you, it would be applicable to a portion of the story that you say. And then if someone else has a card that says interrupt, based on what that word is, as you have to fit that into the story. And then if the person says something that you uh, says the name of a thing that you have in your hand, you just play that. And those seem like the three main rules, which aren't too difficult for me to grasp, which is why I gave it four. Yeah. And the five second rule. Don't forget and that. The five second rule, yeah. If someone stops talking for five seconds, you get to cut in. I've, I've dropped my my little treat on the floor and now I have to grab it. Oh, my turn's over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing with comprehension was for me was that um, the rule on whether or not a card counts as being part of the story is also pretty vague. Uh, I feel like we came across more than one of those where someone would randomly insert something that really shouldn't be there yeah. because they were trying to get rid of cards in their hand. And you have to vote on whether yeah. it's and a good idea or not. If you don't like calling people out on things, that might be a little difficult sometimes. Although it, it was pretty obvious for us. I got flagged for saying a bird hides behind a flower as a disguise. <laughs> Fair enough. I tried to work an argument into somewhere that really didn't need an argument. But... I'd like to buy an argument, please. <laughs> I'm surprised no one called me out on the... Um... The sea? No, because oh. you can have chapels by the sea. Um, but the logger just being there. Yeah, that I was going to, and I'm like, well, maybe we're going a Tin Man route. Like, maybe this is turning into the Wizard of Oz. And I was like, fine. I was like, maybe we're still in the forest heading to the sea. Yeah. All right. My my justification is boats need wood to be made out of. There's usually going to be a logger that's that's providing the wood for the boats. There's always a forest by the edge of the the coastline. It 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 makes sense. You. I think it comes down to how well you're able to weave your card directly into the story. <laughs> if you do a good enough job kind of making it make sense, no one's going to call you out for it. Yeah. Um, I now have the Monty Python Lumberjack song in my head, and it's refusing to leave. <laughs> oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> Don't sing it. We'll get copyright struck. Yeah. But then I get a signature from one of the Pythons. <laughs> <laughs> you get a signature from one of the Pythons' lawyers. <laughs> We'll isolate it. We'll we'll make it look like it's from one of them. <laughs> from the desk of. <laughs> I refuse to comply until one of them gives me a signature. <laughs> like the, the Drake and Josh episode where he's like, you got, it's signed by Oprah. It's a restraining order. But it's signed by Oprah. 
Especially when he hit her with her guitar, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things signed by Oprah, paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah, so just for um, everybody, we're using the uh, party game rubric, so paraphernalia is next. The first two are the same in every rubric, but after this, it's going to get a little different than most of our other episodes. In case you were wondering why we were grading up to four points. Yeah, yeah, because we usually, yeah. It, it's got to add up to 42. That's a whole joke. <laughs> Let's have our fun. <laughs> we committed to a joke 25 episodes ago, uh, and we're sticking with it. Brooke accidentally made it happen on the rubric and then said we are doing this forever because I am the one that makes the rubrics. <laughs> Um, so for paraphernalia, this also includes cost. Yeah. So this game costs uh, 25 for the base, 11 for the create your own cards, and 15 for the other expansions, and there are six of those. Uh, just for that. Money-wise, I think it's fine. You don't have to buy anything else. It is just the deck of cards, so I gave it a four. Uh, I I gave it a three. I think it's a, a very affordable price. Um you would probably only pick up the, at least in my reckoning of it, uh, would pick up the base game and then one of the expansions and then maybe the create your own cards, which would come up not not to a very steep, but uh, a little above the average cost of about $65. Um, which at that point, they do have a deal on Amazon, of course, where you can buy all of the expansions for $100. So you can get all of it for $100, including the create your owns. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a, a good price. Now, does the create your own, or not the create your own, but the, the collection box, does that come with its own organizational method? God, no. Okay, I didn't think so. I'm glad that I'm keeping it at three. Yeah, no. So I just wish that people would take more time for their box management. I've screened this on almost every episode we've done, but this is just four pull boxes. Yeah. So uh, sorry, seven pull boxes. Your 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 complaints are starting to sink in with me too, because I, I graded it a three because I would have liked to see some form of organization outside of just the, the individual boxes that they come in. I I gave it a four for paraphernalia. I think that the price is more than fair. Um Brooke would have written down that uh for all six expansions and the base game, you're looking at a hundred dollars all in. Uh, that's that's not bad. Uh, no matter what kind of game you're looking at, even with like party game expansions, they're usually like twenty five each. It's just I know a little for, bit like, more expensive than Wingspan. <laughs> for Smash Up, it is. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, one of the games we're probably going to be covering this year is uh, Eclipse, and that's like one hundred and twenty dollars for the whole game, easily. But uh, my heart literally just skipped a beat. <laughs> I. Uh... It'll be Ooh. the most expensive game we've covered so far. Yeah. Blood Except Bowl. for maybe Blood Bowl. <laughs> Blood Bowl is easily the most expensive because I think it was because the minis. Yeah, each army was thirty five dollars, so that's that's already over a hundred there. The most expensive base game game. Well, the base game for Blood Bowl I think was one hundred and twenty. Oh, okay, never mind. And that was with with the two armies plus the field. Um, but it did also come. It doesn't come with it. It has uh, as far as the the extras for this. Uh, I was looking up on uh, Atlas Games' website, and they have a uh, write-your-own-stories book based around this game, where you can, uh, from what I can gather, uh, it, it, you can write your own like fairy tale stories based on how your game progresses. Yeah, and that's cool. I've definitely played rounds of this back in high school, where we did write it down after and make like a little comic out of it because we just thought it was so fun and entertaining. So not really uh, applicable to gameplay necessarily, but something to to know. There's paraphernalia involved yeah. if you would like. 
the setup, boat easy. It yeah. is two decks. That's it. Was there even any setup that we did? I had to take them out of the box. We, and then pass them. we did shuffle them. I did have to power shuffle them. This is like less than the bare minimum amount of setup that most games require. <laughs> the only thing that's less is like a normal deck of cards where yeah. you don't have to have two piles. Even then, like there are some games that you would have to play with a normal deck of cards that would require you to like take cards out. Yeah, like this Euchre. one. Yeah, exactly. We just talked about Euchre. This one is literally just you take them out of the 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 uh, the Pull box, box yep. Yep, and then you just. He give people their cards, and that's it. Very the cool. only annoying thing is the pull box, you have to split the black cards, which are the um, majority of them, into two piles. So there's three piles in this box, but they do make it easy because one deck has the black edges and one deck has the white edges. So it's easy to tell if they mix up in the box. Stop being tired in the podcast. You're not allowed to be tired. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm <laughs> Remember that part where I said we have full-time jobs? And in fact, <laughs> one person has to go back to their full-time job after this recording? Hey. Oh, this I'm struggling not to yawn so hard now. <laughs> we'll watching. This is another reason why we have so many issues. We don't have the time to like sit down and dedicate to this. Yeah, this is a, this is a skill that needs to be honed. Okay. I'm so, assuming everyone's just got a four. Yeah, yeah. I have a four for yeah. setup as well. All right. This is the part that really tanked it for me. This is where it lost it for me was the rate of play. Because, again, if you've played with your group a lot, it will not have the rate of play issues that we did. But a lot of the times we were struggling to either further the story, figure out our next move, or, like, decide to pass. Even the interruptions were a little slow because we weren't, we weren't used to it. It's yeah. different. So I gave it a two just because it was... It got really fast at parts and really slow at parts. It didn't have like a consistent rate of play. This is this is very true. Um, I know on your turn you were able to dump like half of your hand. Same with Ian. Ian dumped all of it and just couldn't weave the ending at one point. Yeah, I probably could have if I really understood what I was doing. <laughs> but I gave it a three. Could have made that bird evil. <laughs> <laughs> could have made the wolf talk. <laughs> Uh, I, I gave it a two. Uh, I actually, um, I feel like it could score more points depending on if we if we played even more rounds of this. Yeah. Because it is definitely one of those things where it, it feels like this game could feel very, like, tense and quick-paced when we're more comfortable with playing it. Uh, as we were, it was kind of a new experience or a semi-new experience. We weren't quite positive of the decisions we were making or of how to uh, weave the cards that we had into the narrative. So it played a lot slower, uh, except for folks who had like a good uh, sequence of cards that they could play to build up their story. Um, but then after that, then things kind of tapered on. So I feel like if we if we got more comfortable with it, it would be going a lot faster or for groups that are more comfortable with sharing like communal stories in that uh, same regard it would go uh, with a, a much faster rate of play. I will say, I used to play this pretty regularly with two of my buddies back in high school. And we did this, it was this and Magic the Gathering. So we switched back and forth between them and spent all night doing that. But even when we were versed in it, it still had those random stopping points, which I think are built into the game, but because you're interrupting each other. That's the whole point is you're talking over each other. You're trying to make it your story again. 
So it it just inherently has pacing issues built into it. Um, so even when we were like really into it and playing a couple rounds, there were still random parts where it did just slow down and we were all like, oh shit, what are we going to do? Who's going in? Is someone going to talk? Do we have to just scrap this whole game? <laughs> I think, do think there were a few times also where uh, someone like stopped and we all probably had like a card or two that we were thinking of playing, but we didn't play it just out of like, I guess, politeness. Yeah. And that happens in the other, like when I was playing regularly as well. So I gave it a two because even when I was playing pretty regularly with a group that was very invested in it, it still had those random walls you hit. So it's all very new to me. I am I, this is my first time playing, but uh, I'd give it a four for ready to play. Oh. Uh, I felt pretty engaged. I felt like uh, I mean, I listening into everyone's story, seeing what cards associated with mine. Uh, I, I I stayed pretty focused on on trying to win because you know that's what I do. But I almost knocked at a half point because of uh, just the rate of play didn't really slow down when other other people's turns. But I felt like when I wanted to do something, I definitely struggled to come up with like a, a story or a, a, to voice my thoughts on something that kind of slowed down. But I kind of assumed that's more of a skill issue. So I was like, no, nah, that's fine. I, I think it's also important to note that on paper, the game sounds very easy. But when you're on the spot and trying to figure out how to weave different story points together, it's it, it can be a little challenging. Um, like you said, yeah, it might be a little bit of a skill issue, but I, I think any normal person, uh, except for Chris. Uh, <laughs> I'm not normal. <laughs> will have trouble kind of weaving a story together. Chris, you're a DM, so you're used to this. In fairness, there are other DMs at this table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I. That might, that might have helped, but honestly, it's 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 a different beast. With when you're DMing, you have a a, a general uh, story already laid out that you're doing. With this, you're going off of you're you're improving off of other people's ideas. It, it's it sounds like it should be the same, and if you're a D and D player, it kind of is, but it's <laughs> it's not the same as being a game master. Yeah, as much as it might sound like it, it it feels similar, but it it plays different. For difficulty curve, which is just saying, like, is it easy to pick up? And, like, does it keep being interesting after you've picked it up? Um, I gave it a four. I think this is perfect for this specific uh, grading point because it's very easy to pick up, but perfecting it is hard. So you never really, you can keep getting better. It will keep being interesting. You don't have to worry about, like, it being boring, like if you're playing Go Fish a hundred times. Fair. Uh, I'm not sure about you guys, but I think I may have a, a bit of a, a different um, approach for this one. Okay. Uh, I actually gave it a two. Um, not because I think it's it's hard for people to get into after they've played it. It's it's very simple, very easy rules to follow. But I can think of a large number of people who probably would not be able to go more than one round of this game. Because you kind of have to have that experience... And um, I don't want to call it like understanding, but like your the the ability to build a narrative with other people like in, in a community sort of uh, situation in order to play this well or at least get to the end of the, the game and win that you only really get when you play things like D&D or like other storytelling games in uh, like a group setting. 
Um, I, I think of this like compared to like you said, go go fish. I would probably be able to play go fish with you guys very easily. You guys understand the rules. It's very simple. I could also do that with like my dad, but I can't really play D and D with my dad. Um, he doesn't have the same uh, understanding uh, or or experience with group role playing games in that regard to build the story. He would listen on and sort of listen to every, what everyone else was uh, talking about, but I don't think he would actually make his own story or or build himself into the narrative. So this, I, I think, it definitely does require some um, some prior knowledge of role playing games or things similar to that in order to to actually get into it, which I think is maybe a little bit of a barrier for entry for certain people. I gave it a two for completely different reasons. Oh. Um, I feel like at a certain point, the difficulty of this game is going to plateau, uh, and it's going to cease being about actual skills involved in playing the game, more with skills in creating a story, like you'd said. Um, but I feel like the, the rules themselves are so so simple that there's really nowhere to go from there to increase the challenge. Um, and aside from the interrupt cards, there's not really any other edge case rules or anything, right? Not really. Not that I saw. Yeah, it was pretty straightforward. Mm. Okay, then um, I'm sticking with the two. Okay. Uh, I give it I give it a three for difficulty curve, kind of for the same reasons that Chris was saying. Uh, for that skill issue that I mentioned in, uh, in rate of play, I just kind of docked it from, from difficulty curve. There's there's definitely an element to to storytelling that is not necessarily for everyone, and some people might struggle with. Uh, I know that there was, and I'll probably cover this a little in enjoyment, a, a general anxiety for the open-endedness of this that kind of hangs around even as you kind of get comfortable with it. And I feel like that's going to hang around until you are you play this several, several times. Yeah, definitely. Well... I'm just glancing around the table, and for customization, can we say this in three, two, one? Four. I mean, it comes with cards, blank cards in the deck. So at base level, it has blank cards, and then they give you a discounted $11 pack that you can get, where you can just write your own cards anyway. Yeah, if you you want to do a Wild West theme, go for it. You want a sci-fi theme, go for it. It's... I think my favorite is I was kind of poking around on Reddit and someone was like sharing the cards they had. And one of them was uh, the rat at the bodega. (laughs) So like (laughs) you can a hundred percent put in like friend jokes. If you play this with a certain group, like you can just throw in your normal friend group uh, inside jokes, which I think I'm going to add the rat in the bodega into my deck after this. That's a good one. Yeah. Blank cards are a pretty big uh, piece of the, uh, the customization score for me when it comes to party games, because there's not a whole lot more you can ask for most of them. And I think it was one of the issues we had with the, um, the unstable unicorn game we played. What was that? It was wrong party. Oh yeah. Wrong party. Yeah. So yeah, four, four for me on that. I, I can't really see much else I would ask for, for customization. The only time I think I've seen you angrier is when we were doing Joking Hazard. Because <laughs> there was no way for you to write in a card. Did we do Joking Hazard? I don't know if we ever released it. We did do it's it. It's a lost episode. No, we did Trial by Trolley. Trial by Trolley. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. I have Joking Hazard. Time. I have the Kickstarter edition of Joking Hazard. So. Bring it. Yeah. Trial by Trolley. Okay. Yeah, because Trial by Trolley, I remember you being visibly upset, like red in the face. Like, why don't we have this? This is an easy thing. Because Joking Hazard did have them. Yeah. Joking Hazard had... Uh, 
little joking hazard is a game it's like uh cards against humanity where you you end a comic strip with cards in your hand but uh they had cards that came with like characters in various like postures and, and poses and stuff with blank speech bubbles above them uh, so they didn't this do that yeah but they two didn't do years of uh <laughs> pent up rage yeah. at an episode that was never released <laughs> <laughs> We'll My hill I've died on. <laughs> we'll get back to it after he calms down. I mean, did we... How did, how did everyone enjoy... Uh, I almost said Story Train. Once Upon a Time. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe that's the next card I'm going to put here is Story, story train. train. The Story Train. Um, <laughs> I, I gave it a four. This is one of my favorite styles. I love open-endedness. Um, it allows for a lot of interaction between people, and that is my big thing with board games, is bringing people together and making them talk, as shown by me making you answer uh, very personal questions in the last episode, or two episodes ago now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, sorry, this is also just we're episode not really we're catching strangers. Chris up on. Yeah, yeah. we're not really strangers, which is all just questions for each other. But I we had the kids edition. any of your, uh, like, your bank question. No, no, it was like... <laughs> When's the last time you were happy? Ooh. <laughs> Can I have oh. your mother's maiden name and the name of your first pet? <laughs> oh my god, of course. <laughs> but I think one of them was like, what was the last thing you lied to your mother about? Yeah, that, that was, was one of them. Um, that was one of them for the family edition. I'm like, this is going to cause problems. There were there yeah. were a couple in there that were a little uncomfortable. Like, stare longingly into... Yeah, was, look into each other's eyes for 30 seconds and... <laughs> Stop longing. Yeah, and then say what you think. The card didn't say it longingly. <laughs> they had a staring Eye contest. contest. <laughs> Ian, took, Ian took it as a personal challenge and was like, I'm going to stare into your eyes until you are uncomfortable. Blink. <laughs> Looking at Ian in the eyes is uncomfortable. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I, <laughs> unless, he, unless he's trying to make you uncomfortable. Oh my god. Oh. It's just. <clears throat> I would never. Love you. <laughs> Um, I give this a three for enjoyment. Uh, I think I, I mentioned before, I, I more or less had fun. I just, there was that level of anxiety of, of talking to people on the spot and improving. That's just always going to be there. And it does kind of take it away of, of the enjoyment away from me a little bit. Yeah. Nothing against the game. It's just a very personal thing in my end. I also gave it a three for similar reasons. Um, it's, it was, it was very fun when we played it. And when there were certain portions where I felt like, hmm, I'm kind of cheesing or uh, I, I don't really I don't think I'm doing this right. Mm. And then I would pause and then it, it would kind of get me uh, in my own thoughts. And so barring those situations, it would probably have been a four. But with those, got it a three. I gave it a four. Um, <laughs> I, I really do love these style of games. I'm going to say it's a four with an asterisk. Um, I feel like the enjoyment of the game is entirely dependent on the people you play it with, and I'm lucky enough that we have a great group to play with. I feel like if we played with another group, my enjoyment may be different if the story goes in a different direction. Um, Especially with some, how dark some of the endings get. Yeah. I could see some people in our friend group taking it way too far. That's kind of what I'm, I'm glad you, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Um, I can see it, but also that could be with any board game. Yeah, this is true. It's just this one suffers from that problem a little bit more. Yeah, this one is very blatant. It's it's right there on the cover. Um, for recommendation, 
you guys have said the very reasons why I gave it a three instead of a four. You have to have the right group for it. Mm -hmm. You have to buy into it. Just like when you were a kid, we talked about it earlier. You have to yes and each other to death and really buy into the process and not be afraid of being called out and interrupting. It's about trying to get that joy sparked. But like, if that's not you, then this is not going to be fun. It's going to be uncomfortable. If, if I could expand on that. Go for it. Because I, I gave this a two. Uh, and then for very similar reasons, I I think that for a lot of games, uh, people who, who join in, especially like first time playing a game, which I feel like recommendation is exactly who that's for, the having the rules and everything set in stone makes it a lot more comfortable to jump into a game. And without guardrails, I guess we'll call it in this case, with, with being so open-ended, uh, a lot of people would really struggle with this unless they're really going to commit to it. And not everyone's willing to commit to a game. Usually they'll they'll play it kind of as a way to pass time. Uh, with this, I mean, I don't know. I, there are definitely some people who would struggle to put real effort into this and could make it very uncomfortable to play with. Okay. I also uh, have it at a, a two. And again, we're kind of one mind in that regard. Um, there are... To, to very specific people, I would probably have this as a, a four. But in general, knowing the, the, the folks that I know, probably about half of them I would want to play this with and would therefore think that they would enjoy it. Um, so that's why mine would be sitting at about a two. Um, I gave it a three for reasons that were already stated. Uh, I think, you know, it's important to play with the right group. Um, but more importantly, uh, I feel like, and this is going to tie into replay value as well, I feel like if you play this with somebody else and then recommend that they pick it up themselves, they may be less inclined to, uh, just because I don't know how many cards actually come in a pack, but I... I don't want to count them. I'm not going to make you count them. Thank Uh, God. I just had to do the math for our final score. I can do no more math. But I definitely foresee, if you're not actively changing up what expansions you're using you could fall into the habit of kind of making a story and then it's kind of all following the same beats no matter what that's fair but i don't think it's that big of a problem that it deserves any more than a single point docked but how would you feel about playing it again i i also gave it a three for the above stated reasons kind of smoothly transitioned into the both <laughs> <laughs> Four, I would play this every day if I had people who would like to. I've missed Chelsea and Adam. They are far away now. They're in different states. I give it a, a four for replay value as well. I, I We were ready to do more rounds. We didn't have to go places and do things. I'm sorry. Being adults suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about it. In 30 years, we get to retire. If we live that long. Yeah, they're, they're changing that. They want to raise yeah. it to 70 now. In 40 years, we get to retire. And by and the time we're 60, they're going to change it to 80. You never yeah. get to retire. You are company now. <laughs> I can't have this panic attack. I'm supposed to go to the bar after this. So bars are four. You have your existential crisis on the drive there, and then everything's fine by the time yeah. you're there. Fair. Uh, for those listening at home, there are 120 cards in the story deck. 90 is a new 60. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have that. <laughs> you have that one prime. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd definitely play this game again. This is this is very fun. Um, I, I'm not going to be a broken record and say it's got to be played with like the the proper group. 
Um, I will say, uh, I, I put a note here, and I'm going to try and read it because I wrote it very fast. Uh, Got to be a bit creative with only one set. Oh, I, I know exactly what that note's for. Um, <laughs> so if you only have the base set uh, and you don't have any expansions, uh, if you're going to be playing it a lot, I would assume you're going to encounter the same cards a lot, or at least similar situations because, you know, the no one's ever created like a, a new or... or uh, original thing or that saying I, I don't remember exactly but um things always seem to to return back to some sort of uh generally understood narrative or things that have already existed because they work um and so if you only have the base set to avoid getting to that situation you may want to be a little bit more creative to improve your own um like uh what's the word uh, experience with playing it multiple times. For example, uh, I believe I had um, Fairy Princess during uh, one of the, the sections, um, and I probably could have used both of those in different ways. For example, maybe someone who refers to someone else as Princess is like a nickname, but not literally a princess. Mm -hmm. Something to that regard. Just to, to spice up the narratives. I think that was kind of what I was getting at with, with what I was saying. I think you just said what I said, but better. I did. And more coherently. I stole your thoughts, and I put them in the shredder, and then I, I rearranged them. Like a, like a ransom note. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would buy this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did buy this. You did. I did. And I've contemplated buying this as gifts for people, so I think that's, that's definitely I would buy this. I I probably wouldn't buy this, but I definitely would play it if a friend bought. It. Yeah, that's what that's, that's I I gave it a one for the two point category. Uh, I I well, I might buy it if it were like it's on sale or a thrift store or something. I I have a lot of party games and I don't use party games a whole lot, yeah. unfortunately, because a lot of the people I, I hang out with they like to play real board games, <laughs> and I I'm like okay, but what about trial by trolley? They're like, but how about scythe? And I'm like, oh, okay. And then Brooke comes along and says, only party games. I can't deal with the competitiveness. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. I do, one of the main reasons why I would buy this, but this is, I guess, my last thought in this regard before you, I guess, transition. Unless other people. Um, but I, I liked Brooke's idea of having this as a, um, like an in-media res sort of game, uh, where, for example, if you're playing a D&D or basically any other role-playing game, Having your your player characters play this as if it is an actual thing that take pl takes place within the narrative would be really really fun. And uh, I don't know if is it alright if I I provide like give yeah this... we can we can talk about it. So this was right before we started recording. Um, we all watched Owl House here, and there was a specific villain who was meant to be a child. Who is a spoiler? Technically, if you haven't. <sighs> But, Spoilers for Owl House. Uh, Skip ahead 15 minutes. Two and a half and also three. We're at the tail end of this podcast. They're going to end up with like... Yeah, they're just going to hear the ending. Um, either way, uh, if you have that kind of a character, you don't want your characters beating up a child. It is not fair. So if you wanted to add that element into D&D, this would be a great game for one of the final battles where you have to beat him at a story. Tell him a bedtime story, he goes away. I was even thinking, and this this is completely out of left field here, but you could use this game 
have the the players for session zero play around of this. You take notes of the major story beats, and then you convert that into a campaign. That might be a fun idea. That'd be cool. That'd too. be something. You said something entirely different though when we brought up using this in D and D. Do you want to? Oh yeah. Well, uh, I I've always been a fan of like the the campfire scenes. Um, there's actually a game that I'm, I'm uh, working on right now, or a, a RPG, I should say, that I'm reading through right now, which has a big focus on those. Um, but basically, just like the the periods of downtime that the players get to uh, go through, where they kind of have a little bit more narrative wiggle room with what they do and what events transpire that I have always just been a huge fan of because I feel like that's how you get the most authentic sort of D&D experiences. Just the small things. It doesn't have to always be the the world is ending, tragedy, etc. But just like, here's something that happened when I went into town to get some bread. Um, <laughs> yeah. this, this reminds me of something that we did during TJ's campaign. Oh, God, right. <laughs> We had a side game going on because there were a lot of people at the table that we called Bunions and Flagons, mm-hmm. where it was <laughs> our characters uh, pretending to own bakeries. And it was a D6 based system that we had made that you rolled how much bread you made, who came in, did you sell that bread, was it of good quality? Such a good. Oh. I got to find those and print those up because that was a blast. It was. See, like small things like that, they're, they're flavorful. They improve your D&D experience. And I feel like this fits in with that as just like a, a thing that your characters could be doing. Or, or like if you were having like uh, a break from D&D, like you didn't want to have an actual session, but you still kind of wanted to play d and I'm saying play with big air quotes. Um, you could do a game like this in character. And I think that would be really, really cute and like really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we need to try this now. Oh no! I mean, I've always been i I've always liked incorporating new ideas into D anD D, like new games. I especially did that with puzzles. Yes, you are. You're always the best at the puzzles. I miss your puzzles. <laughs> your and puzzles some, were good sometimes. Yeah, sometimes Ooh. you know, like the mirror puzzle. I hated. Well, no. The, wait, was that the the one with the genie? That was the one where you had to uh, to figure out which one of you was actually working for me. No, that one was actually good. That one was a good one. <laughs> And the Akachu one was also really yes. good. It was it was the last couple of them that were not <laughs> as good. I mean, every puzzle I made, I just like the creativity behind your puzzle making. Like you, you took it as an art form. We're getting very off topic. Yes. Um, final yeah. scores. <laughs> yes. Let's go. Let's let's get out of here because I'm pretty sure they've already stopped listening at this. Yeah, point. we're just ranting. We have a Bards After Dark podcast for that. We really should. Back in the college days. <laughs> We just tell random stories about it. Okay. Later. Later. So I gave it a 38 out of 42. I gave it a 35 out of 42. I gave it a 33 out of 42. And I gave it a 36 out of 42. Bringing us to a average of 35 and a half. Not bad. No, it's honestly, it's that's usually where our party games end up. Yeah. If it didn't, I thought this was going to go. I'll be honest. When we talked about doing this, we were watching... Um, what is the sports that Super, Bowl, Super, Super Bowl. Bowl? There we go. Super Bowl. Yeah. So sports. Yes. Yeah. So we were watching that, and we talked about this game, and I literally ran into the other room, and we we're like, "Who are we going to have on for this?" And I dragged Chris over over to us. 
without any kind of... No pomp or circumstance. No, no explaining why I'm dragging him. Just you have to be into the conversation now. <laughs> Don't pay attention to how late into the month we've actually planned out our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Full-time jobs, I said it. Yeah, I know. Hey, sometimes we're good. Sometimes we plan a month in advance. Sometimes we have a February. Sometimes it's a week. <laughs> sometimes we do two in one day and then split them up if we're really on top of things. It's... We got. We have our own rate of play issues here. <laughs> um, so that being said, with that, our adventure is over. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, please reach out at dancingwiththebards at gmail.com. If you want more up-to-date information and to meet some cool people, head over to our Discord. Thank you again to our OG bard, Chris, for coming. No uh, it was great to have you back. And with that, our heroes lived happily-ish ever after. Yay! Yay! Goodbye. Hi, 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 hi. It's off to work you go.